right, you may be seated. We see evidence of God's greatness in his creation. We have seen that recently here uh, in our area. We see evidence of God's greatness in his word. We see evidence of God's greatness in our church family. Uh, we have the privilege to ordain Al, Kobe, and Kyle to the gospel ministry later this afternoon. God has used, yes, yes, amen. God has used us and he is continuing to use us in his work in their lives. Al, Kobe, and Kyle and their families were members of our church family first. God planted them here. God has continued to mature and call and equip them here. And now God is giving us the opportunity to ordain them here later this afternoon. We also have the opportunity to share and to show the love of Jesus to thousands of kids and their families this Tuesday night at our trunk or treat. Our God is an awesome God. We see evidence of God's greatness in our lives. God is continuing to give us his all-sufficient grace so that we can be who he wants us to be and do what he wants us to do. To God be the glory for the great things he has done, is doing, and is yet to do. Open your Bibles with me to Joshua chapter 6. We are continuing in the sermon series we started last Sunday titled Follow the Leader. We are looking at and learning from this Old Testament story of Joshua and the Israelites at Jericho. Joshua and the Israelites believed God and they demonstrated their faith in God by their obedience to God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 30, the hall of faith chapter in the scriptures, the writer of Hebrews said this, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after being marched around by the Israelites for seven days. Joshua and Israel believed God. He said, by faith. They lived by faith and trust in God. They trusted God. They followed their leader, God. Joshua and Israel obeyed God. They marched around Jericho, just as God said, for seven days. God brought down the walls of Jericho as he said he would do. God is still in the business today of bringing down the walls before us, those obstacles that have been erected in our lives. God is still in the business of bringing those obstacles down for you and for me. I want to continue now uh, as we dive in, and we're still kind of in the background setting phase of this passage of this series. Let's look at some of the key players, the key points in this passage that will help us to understand exactly what God is going to share with us as we make our way through chapter 6, what he has and will share with us already uh, here this morning. And so let's look at these key players. Now, the first three we talked about extensively last Sunday, so I'm just going to hit them and we'll move on. The first was Joshua. Joshua was chosen by God. He was called by God. He was equipped by God to lead Israel into the promised land. The second one is the Israelites. The Israelites were God's chosen people. They were to be his witness nation to the pagan nations around them. The third point is the promised land. 
The promised land was simply the land God promised to give to his people Israel. God made his covenant promise with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, with Moses, and with Joshua. If you turn to Joshua chapter 1, there from Joshua chapter 6, just turn your page, Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. This is what the Lord said to Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I'm giving the Israelites. I have given you every place. Say that with me out loud. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness in Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, and all the land of the Hittites, and west to the Mediterranean Sea. God told Joshua, in essence, I am giving you the land. Joshua, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. The land is yours and Israel's. God could do this because he's God. It's his land. We know the psalmist said the earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And so we see God affirming this reality to Joshua as it related to the promised land. And the fourth point, the the next player that we need to identify and look at is Rahab. We get to chapter 6 in verse 1, and we read, Now Jericho was strongly fortified because of the Israelites. No one leaving or entering. Let's do a quick review so that we will be able to understand what God is sharing with us here in verse 1 because it helps us as we move from verse 1. As we remember, we shared a little bit about this last Sunday, based on your understanding of Old Testament uh, truth in the background, we know that the faithless older generation of Israelites had passed in the wilderness. After the death of Moses, God came to Joshua and said, Joshua, you're next. You will be the one to lead my people Israel to take possession of the promised land. God assured Joshua, as we just read, of victory and success. Joshua then went to his officers, his leaders over the people of Israel, and he told them, he shared with them, hey, this is what God has said. This is what's getting ready to happen. And all of his officers said, this sounds great to us. Joshua, listen, we will do what you ask us to do. We will go where you ask us to go. Basically, they said, let's go. We're ready. Let's move forward. You lead. We're going to follow you just like we followed Moses. Joshua wisely sent two spies into the promised land. At that point, Joshua and Israel, they were camping. They were on the eastern side of the Jordan around Shittim. And so he decided very wisely, much like Moses did years and years before with the 12, he decided to send two spies across the Jordan River into the promised land to get some intel, to do some recon work. And he said, I need you to specially go scout out Jericho. The two spies did just what Joshua said. They went into the promised land and they went to Jericho and they went to the house of Rahab. Rahab, her house was built into the wall around Jericho. And they went in to Rahab's house. Now, a little background about Rahab, and we'll talk about her for just a little bit because she's a key player in this passage. Rahab was a prostitute. 
Rahab uh, was one who welcomed the two spies and she hid them on her roof. Rahab lied to the king of Jericho. As we read in the passage, the king of Jericho knew about these spies, knew they had crossed over, had received word that the spies had come to Jericho and that they had stopped in Rahab's house. And so he sent word to Rahab and he said, Rahab, I need you to bring out the two men who came and are staying at your house. They came to spy on us and our land. They are not for us. They are against us. And Rahab lied and said, I don't know where these men came from. At nightfall, they left. And I don't know where they are going. She said, but go chase after them because I'm sure you can catch them quickly if you go chase after them. And the king's men did exactly what she said and they went and chased after them. Rahab risked her life to protect the two spies from Israel. She basically was committing treason against her country. Rahab gave the two spies inside information. Rahab gave those two spies great intel because after she sent the king's men off, she went up to her roof where she had hid the two spies and they continued their previous conversation. So if you turn to Joshua chapter 2, we'll pick up in verse 8, Joshua chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 8, and we'll pick up on this conversation. Before the men fell asleep, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us. And everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings, you completely destroyed across the Jordan. When we heard this, we lost heart. And everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. What we see here is even before social media and the internet, news traveled fast. I mean, it already got all the way to Jericho. And Rahab has these two spies. And she's saying, listen, everyone in Jericho, king and everyone in Jericho has lost heart. We are terrified of you. Everyone is in a panic, terrified of you because we've heard, we've heard the story of what your God did for you as you were coming out of Egypt, the Red Sea. We heard what your God did for you as you wiped out the two Amorite kings, Sihon and Og. We are terrified. 
Rahab gave the spies inside information that was vitally important. Rahab also expressed faith in God. Notice in this passage, Rahab expressed faith in God. She said, the Lord, I know. Rahab said, I know the Lord has given you this land. She said, I know the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Hello. That's awesome. Rahab lived in a very pagan, evil, wicked, polytheistic culture. They were raised, Rahab was raised to worship idols and false gods, many different gods. And here in this passage, Rahab expressed faith, trust, belief in the one true God of Israel. Almighty God had used the miracles that he performed on behalf of his people, Israel, and he used the conversation and the discussion that Rahab was having with these spies as part of his work, God's work, in bringing Rahab to faith and trust in him. This is just an amazing testimony. Rahab's testimony is so amazing, she made it into God's hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 31, right after the verse we just finished reading, we read these words, by faith Rahab, say that with me out loud, by faith Rahab, the prostitute, welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. Rahab, her words and her actions displayed and revealed her faith and trust in God. And we know from Matthew, Matthew in his gospel told us, it's in chapter 1, if you want to check it out later today or this week, it's in chapter 1, Matthew informed us that Rahab was actually chosen by Almighty God to be in the lineage of King Jesus. Rahab was the great-great-grandmother of King David. What an amazing story, but more importantly, what an amazing God we serve. What an amazing God. Now, we must understand, as I'm sure you do, God did not bless Rahab and place Rahab in his hall of faith because of her sin of lying. God's a holy God. He's the God of all truth. God hates sin. God blessed Rahab and included Rahab in his hall of faith. God drew Rahab to him because of her faith and trust in him. As one Bible scholar said, the scriptures tell us that God saw the sin that David committed with Bathsheba, the sin of adultery that he committed with Bathsheba as evil in his sight. But later, after that time of discipline and renewal, God also blessed David and Bathsheba with a son named Solomon, who we all know is an amazing leader king of Israel. 
We also know that God shared in his word that David was a man after his own heart. Peter denied knowing Jesus because he was confronted by a young girl. Denied knowing Jesus three times. Yet God chose, gifted, empowered, and used Peter to preach, teach, and build up his church. God, rich in grace and mercy from cover to cover, beginning to end, God forgave Rahab of her sin. And God also commended her and has left this testimony for us to rejoice in, to dig deep into. And he has commended her because of her faith and trust in him. Our God is a God of second, third, fourth chances. Amen? He is an awesome God. We can also praise God that God forgives us when we sin against him. Amen? We know that when we confess our sin, he is faithful and just. He'll forgive us and cleanse us and purify us from all unrighteousness. Praise God. He is a God of forgiveness, restoration, renewal. He continues his work in and through us. We also know about Rahab one other key point. Rahab was a shrewd, wise woman. She was a very wise woman. And she shared and showed this to us by at this point in time, as you continue to read her story, as she was having her discussion with the spies, she said to them, hey, listen, I need you guys to promise that you will show mercy to me and kindness to me and my family because I've shown kindness to you. And the two spies said, okay, what you got? And she said, I need you to promise me that when God gives you the land, our land of Jericho, when you come back to take our land, I need you to tell me, to promise me that you will show kindness to me and my family and you will allow us to live. And the spies and Rahab all agreed and said, sounds good, sounds reasonable. Here's what's going to happen. The spies said, here's your part, Rahab. What we're going to tell you is we will agree to what you've said, but here's what you've got to do. You've got to make sure that your father and your mother and all of your family, all of your family members, your father, mother, and all your family members are here in this house. You bring them into your house. And when you bring them into your house, you keep them in your house, and you take this scarlet cord, and you attach it to the window outside, the window that we're going to use to escape and go back to Joshua. And as long as you and your family are in this house, and this scarlet cord is on the window outside, we, our part, we will make sure that we get back. We tell Joshua that when we come and take Jericho, that we are to spare you and your family, everyone who is in the house with the scarlet window, with the scarlet cord on the window, is to be spared. Said, so, but listen, if you are outside your house, that's on you. And if you choose to go and report us to the king of Jericho, and you don't continue to show kindness to us, then, then that's on you. And they agreed. And that's exactly what ultimately happened, as we just read about in Hebrews 
uh, chapter 11 and verse 31. Now we know that the spies, they listened, they had this conversation with Rahab and they believed her. Because if you look at chapter 2, Joshua chapter 2, the very last verse, Joshua chapter 2 and verse 24 they told Joshua, they, now the spies are back. They left Rahab's house. They made it back uh, to Shittim. And they told Joshua, the Lord has handed over the entire land to us. As if Joshua did not already know this. As if all of Israel did not already know this. God had told them over and over and over and over again throughout the years. The Lord has handed over the entire land to us. And here's a little extra cherry on top, Joshua. Everyone who lives in the land is also panicking because of us. Said. So, Joshua, they are freaking out because of us. This is great news, Joshua. And so Rahab is part of this amazing story. The fifth key point player is Jericho. Jericho, the city of Jericho. Jericho is located in the Jordan Valley. It is well watered. It's almost like an oasis in the Jordan Valley, and it certainly was in Joshua's day. It was known as the city of palms, actually known for its palm trees, medicinal balm that was in abundance there. We know that Jericho was a walled city. That means Jericho, the city, was encased in walls that encircled all of Jericho. Biblical scholars say that these walls were amazingly strong, thick, high, as high as 30 feet high and as wide as 15 feet across. So high, wide, so strong that scholars tell us that they would hold chariot races on top of the walls. Archaeology indicates that Jericho was actually double-walled, that there appears that there was double walls around Jericho. Needless to say, Jericho was well-protected from potential invaders from outside. It was a very well-protected city. Joshua, at this time, the spies are back, gives him a report. God's moving, and Joshua as he's following his leader, God, Joshua leads Israel, and now they begin to move. And they move from Shittim, and they cross the Jordan River. In another miracle of the Lord, the Lord parts the waters of the Jordan River. The Jordan River at this time was at harvest time. It was overflowing its banks, as it would always do during harvest season. It was harvest season. And so we see that the Lord parted the waters of the Jordan River from the top to the bottom, the north to the south. He parted the rivers just like he parted the waters of the Red Sea and allowed Israel to cross the Jordan River on dry ground. Israel took up stones and they made a memorial in the Jordan River and on the other side of the Jordan River when they got to the other side to memorialize what God had done for them once again. They got all the way through the Jordan River. They made it to the other side and they camped. They came to a stopping point and they camped outside of Jericho, on the plains of Jericho. Jericho in sight, outside the plains of Jericho at a place called Gilgal. And that's where Israel parked at that moment. 
the wait for Joshua and the wait for God's people of Israel to enter and begin to take possession of the promised land was almost over. It was time. And so we pick back up in chapter 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was strongly fortified because of the Israelites. No one leaving or entering. Jericho was on lockdown because of Israel. They were terrified. They were scared. They had heard. Remember, they had heard what God did for them in the Red Sea, how he parted the Red Sea. They had heard what God had did as he allowed Israel to, to defeat uh, the two kings, the Amorite kings, Sihon and Og. Especially they were concerned, they were terrified, especially because of what Israel did to King Og of Bashan, because that, that city had high walls, gates and bars, much like Jericho. And yet it was no match for the God of Israel. This was all, all this terror was before they saw and realized, as no doubt they looked out, and they realized, oh no, what we thought might protect us a little bit longer, the Jordan River, it was no match for God, because the Israelites crossed the Jordan River on dry ground, and now they're just out there in the plains, and they're coming our way. They were terrified of what was getting ready to happen. Now Jericho was strongly fortified because of the Israelites. No one leaving or entering. Look at verse 2. The Lord said to Joshua, Look, I have handed Jericho its king and its best soldiers over to you. I want now just to identify some awesome blessings that we see here in verse 2. We've already mentioned multiple ones in the background, but let's look at some awesome blessings that we see here in verse 2. Now, we touched base on the first two last week, and so let me just hit those real quick, and then we will hit the third one uh, this morning. First awesome blessing we see is God spoke to Joshua. He spoke to Joshua. He said, the Lord said to Joshua, whether the commander of the Lord's army from the end of chapter 5 was, like we talked about last week, an angel or a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ, what we know is that God spoke to Joshua. Joshua heard from God. He knew it was God. He responded and said, Lord, God. He knew God was speaking to him. And we know today that God speaks to us by his spirit in us, through his word, prayer, one another, and our circumstances. God speaks to you and me. And we have this beautiful opportunity to walk with God and to talk with God day after day, step by step, moment by moment. It is a true blessing for each of us as followers of Jesus Christ that Jesus purchased for us on the cross with the blood he shed for us to welcome us into God's family, to allow us to receive forgiveness of sins and to enter into a relationship with God by his death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation. We have an opportunity to speak to God because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. This is a blessing for you and me. The second awesome blessing is the Lord assured Joshua a victory. He told Joshua, listen, Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and its best soldiers. Victory is guaranteed. And so we know as well today, we are victors in Jesus I am a victor in Jesus. Say that with me out loud. I am a victor in Jesus. Since Jesus overcame, we can overcome. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world. 
We know we fight from victory, not for victory, because we've already won the victory in King Jesus. And this is a blessing for you and me. Much like we get to speak with God and listen to God speak to us, we know that we are victors day by day in Christ Jesus, and nothing and no one can change this fact for you or for me. Nothing can change this fact. No one or nothing can separate us from God's love for us in Christ Jesus. The third awesome blessing we see here is God commanded Joshua to look. Look what he said here. The Lord said to Joshua, look. Look is a command. It's a cal imperative. It's a command from God to Joshua. Look means open your eyes. Pay attention. It means see, watch, look. God commanded Joshua. The first word out of his mouth to Joshua is, look. Now, where they were, as we've seen, we've got the setup. As Joshua looked, he saw Jericho. Right there ahead of him. God had brought them just to the outskirts of Jericho. So he looked, he saw Jericho, a formidable foe, an overwhelming obstacle. We see in verse 1 that Jericho was strongly fortified. No one leaving or entering. It was sealed shut. From a human perspective, conquering Jericho was impossible. It was impossible. Joshua and Israel were not seasoned military experts and warriors. Joshua and Israel did not have an arsenal of weaponry necessary to assure victory, necessary to take down those walls or to scale the walls and to defeat Jericho. Not even close. And so the first words to Joshua here, as we're on the scene, as we're getting ready to move, as he's getting ready to move, as we're watching this drama unfold, is God commanding Joshua to look. For you and me is this. God did not command Joshua to look to Jericho. God commanded Joshua to look to him. God told Joshua right here, his first word was, Joshua, look, watch, see, open your eyes, pay attention to what I will do for you and all Israel. Joshua, look. Joshua, before you take that first step, you look up to me, Joshua. You turn your eyes to me before you make your first move. Joshua, you look and you make sure all of Israel looks up to me 
Because if you look to Jericho, it's impossible. It's not going to happen. There's no way it's going to happen. But I'm not asking you, Joshua, to take down the walls of Jericho. I'm not asking you, Joshua, to conquer that city. All I'm asking you to do, Joshua, is you look to me. You get your eyes on me and you watch. You pay attention, Joshua. You see what I will do for you. God Almighty is calling us today to look to him. God wants us to look to him, not our obstacles, not our Jerichos, not our seemingly insurmountable odds. Listen, we all have obstacles. Obstacles are a part of life. We go from one obstacle to the next on a seemingly moment-by-moment basis. And sometimes we don't even give it out of the first obstacle and we've got 10 waiting on us. We have family obstacles. We have financial obstacles. We have health obstacles. We have job obstacles. We have relationship obstacles. When we focus on our obstacles, if we focus on our obstacles, we are seized at that very moment by anxiety, anger, fear, frustration, discouragement, doubt, despair, and defeat. And what our enemy constantly wants us to do is the same thing he wanted Joshua to do. He tried to get Joshua to look to Jericho. When the command came to look, he was trying to tell him and show him, look at Jericho. It's fortified. No one's leaving or coming. Joshua, you're never going to make it. Don't you dare take another step. It can't happen. Look how big it is. And we know and understand that wasn't at all what God was saying to Joshua. And Satan does the same thing to you and me on a day-by-day basis. He constantly tries to get us to look at our obstacles, to look at those challenges before us, to look at the problems we've been dealing with, to look at the problems we're now having to deal with. He's constantly trying to get us to look at those obstacles. And what God wants us to do is look up to him with eyes of faith. We, as followers of Jesus, walk by faith, not by sight. The world says you have to see in order to believe. God says you have to believe in order to see. And so we see, as the psalmist said, open my eyes, Lord, that I may see the wonderful things in your law. The Lord, I called out to the Lord, and he answered me and rescued me from all my trouble. Those who look to him, their faces are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. The psalmist said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Paul told us to set our minds on things above, not on earthly tanks. The writer of Hebrews said to fix your eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Remember him, consider him who endured opposition from sinful men so that you and I will not grow weary and lose heart. You see, God wants us to look to him because when we look to him, we see ourselves, others, and our obstacles from his perspective, which is much better than our perspective. God's perspective is the right perspective. And it's much better than our perspective because God sees and knows all. There's no corner that God can't see around. There's no height that God can't see over. There's no depth that God can't see under. He sees and knows all. And so he calls us once again today. From the pages of this amazing drama that's unfolding with Joshua and Israel years and years and years ago, he says to you and to me, look, look to me. 
Look to me today. Look to me this afternoon. Look to me this week. Before you take a step out and before you move on a day-by-day basis, look to me. You see, when we look to God, several things happen. That's why God told Joshua to look to him. That's why God's telling us to look to him. As we look to God, we are reminded of who God is. Joshua would have been reminded that the Lord God is the Lord God Almighty, as he shared in chapter 1. And as we look to God, we are reminded before we go out and face our obstacles, our challenges, as we look to our leader God, we are reminded that he is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the awesome, almighty God. He is the creator of the universe. He is the one who said that there be and there was. And he is the one who is at work in your life and in my life. As we look to God, we are reminded of who God is. As we look to God, we are reminded of what God has done. As Joshua looked up to God, he would have been reminded of exactly what God had just done. And oh, by the way, God had just literally parted the Jordan River so that they could get through to get to that point. He had brought the spies back with the amazing news that what was going on in Jericho. God wants us to look to him because as we look to the Lord, we are reminded of what God has done for us. God has created us in his image. He saved us by his grace. He's filled us with his spirit. He's adopted us into his family. He's given us every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. God has brought us, you can remember, there's no doubt you can remember, obstacles, Jerichos in your life in the past that looked insurmountable to you at that point in time, but you sit here today having walked through Whatever valley that was for you, having conquered whatever that obstacle was for you in the Lord's strength for the Lord's glory. As we look to the Lord, we remember what the Lord has said, not just what he's done, but what he said. Joshua, no doubt, as he looked to the Lord, would have remembered the Lord just told him, hey, Joshua, I've given you Jericho, its king and its best soldiers. I have given you this promised land. Everywhere your foot treads, it's yours. No one will come against you. Joshua, I will be with you. And we too are reminded as we look to the Lord and as we look to him first and we don't stare at our obstacles because if we look at our obstacles, we're going to be filled with fear and anxiety and doubt and frustration, worry, discouragement. We'll get exhausted. It produces exhaustion in our lives. But as we look to the Lord, we're able to understand and realize that the Lord has told us he will never leave us, fail us, forget us, or forsake us. He will meet all our needs according to his riches in glory. Jesus told us, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love him. We are called according to his purpose. If God is for us, who can be against us? We're reminded of the promises that God has shared with us in his word. And therefore, as we look to the Lord We will watch to see what God will do. As we look to the Lord, we remember who he is, what he's done, what he said, which then allows us, as we get ready to move forward, we're able to look to the Lord. We're able to follow our leader. As we look to our leader, we're able to humbly follow our leader day by day. And as we do, we watch expectantly with excitement to see what God's going to do. I don't have any idea 
how God is going to take down the obstacles in my life, and I don't have any idea how God's going to take down the obstacles in your life, but I know this, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And more often than not, and we'll get to this a little bit later, more often than not, the ways he does it absolutely blow our minds. Do you think for a second that this strategy was in the top 10 strategies of military warfare? March around a city and then shout on the seventh day? Okay. I know that I know that I know that God is faithful. He's powerful. His ways and thoughts are not ours, but his ways and thoughts are best. And he will empower us to walk with him towards those obstacles. And he will, in his time and in his way, I don't know when and I don't know how, but I know he will. He will take down those walls when we're ready. And he will allow us to sit in awe of his power and his glory as we're able to continue following our leader and the victory that is ours in King Jesus. What God wants for you and for me, it's real simple. Look to him. Every one of us is facing an obstacle. It's facing a Jericho in some way, form, or fashion in our lives. And if we're in that time of blessing right now, then we certainly know someone who's facing an obstacle. And what God wants for us is to be reminded from our good friend Joshua that before we start charging and moving forward, let's look. Let's look to him. Let's humbly turn our face to the Lord. Tape by day, moment by moment, step by step so that we can be filled with that power and that grace that God has promised to give us so that we can walk in our victory day after day. It's like the words to that chorus, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's turn our eyes to Jesus this morning. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Worship team is going to come and lead in this time of response. And I just want to encourage you right now, right where you are, just to turn your eyes to Jesus there in your own heart and mind. Lift your eyes to him. Whatever that obstacle, whatever that challenge, however high those walls may seem, however difficult that problem may be, look to the Lord. Look to the Lord. Look to the Lord. 
He's your helper. He's your strength. He's faithful. He's true. He's at work in you. And he will fill you with the grace, the strength, and everything else you need to continue following his lead. Whatever that may be. Wherever that may take you. Our prayer partners are standing here at the front. They would love to pray with you, pray for you. The altar is open as it always is. Maybe God's wanting you to minister blessing and encouragement to a brother or sister in Christ to come and kneel and pray for them, with them. This is God's time for you and for me. Let me encourage you. As you look to the Lord, could it be that this morning for you, sir, for you, ma'am, looking to the Lord means looking to him for salvation. You know a lot about the Lord, and you know a lot about Jesus, you've heard a lot about Jesus, yet you've, to this point, not yet totally surrendered and yielded your life to the Lord. Listen, Jesus took your place on the cross and paid your price for sin. His death, burial, and resurrection opens the way for us to receive forgiveness of sins and enter into a relationship with God. So I encourage you this morning, as God is showing and showering his grace on you once again by allowing you to hear from him. God's speaking to you even now by his spirit through this word, this story, this passage. Here in person, online, God is speaking to you. He's calling you to surrender your life to him once and for all, to just say, God, I'm done living my way and I surrender my life to you. I want to live your way. God, I repent of my sin. I turn from my life, from my sin, and I turn around and I turn to you, God. I believe in your son, Jesus, my Savior. I believe he died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. He rose again, and he's alive today. And I believe faith in Jesus is the only way for me to get to you. And God, as best as I know how, today I receive your gift of salvation, I place my faith in Jesus. Come into my life. Take over and to take charge from this point forward. If you cry out to the Father, if you share a similar prayer to that, God will hear your prayer. He knows your heart. He will save you. Prayer doesn't save us. God saves us. The prayer is for us to communicate to God. He is the God who saves. He's mighty to save. Today is a day of salvation. If that's you this morning, then we would love, these prayer partners would love to introduce Jesus. I'd love to just rejoice with you in this decision. If you made this decision, we would love to celebrate with you. We'd love to help you make the decision if that's, if that's you. God is speaking. Let's respond in obedience to him. Let's stand and let's say yes to the Lord.